Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Well, you heard the man. Fox Sports Sunday train. The train keeps rolling on. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll take you up to 8 p.m. Pacific tonight as we've got a cornucopia of sports topics to tackle. And we've only got three hours, so let's get busy. Before I get started, though, let's not forget, I'm backed up tonight by my all-star team of Lee DeLapp, our technical producer, Bobo on the ones and twos, and, of course, Steve DeSager on the updates. Together, hop on board. It's going to be a fun ride for the whole family. You know, we are living in an era where people and their attention span eh, typically lasts about eight seconds. But that all changed Thursday night, at least for one night. There's a reason that the game between the Yankees and White Sox was the highest-rated regular season baseball game on Fox in 16 years. There's a reason it was the most-watched Major League Baseball game by a female viewing audience since 1998. There's a reason it was the most-watched among teenage viewers in 15 years. You know, now whether or not you saw the movie, feel the dreams, or like the movie, one thing is for sure. 32 years later, it's still being talked about and talked about in a big way. Remember, it grossed over $84 million at the box office, and those were 1989 numbers when movie tickets were a fraction of what they cost now. And in that movie, The Field of Dreams, Moonlight Graham, played by Burt Lancaster, made the following statement, quote, Sometimes we just don't recognize life's most significant moments while they're happening. Back then, I thought, well, there'll be other days. I didn't realize that was the only day, end quote. Hold that thought. Major League Baseball did a really cool thing Thursday night. 
And frankly, it was an idea whose it was long overdue because at one time the game of baseball was very romanticized in this country. And Thursday night recaptured some of that. People who know me, well, they know I love all sports. They know I love the essence of competition and, of course, the lore and the backstories and the things that bring players to life as human beings. And baseball is incredibly unique in that area. It's not like any other game. And again, I like all other games, but with all other sports, you put a goal on this side of the field and a goal on that side. Give me a time clock. It usually starts with a whistle or a buzzer. It ends with a gun or a siren. You have a finite amount of time to win the game, and then it's over. Not baseball. There's no time clock in baseball. They've got to get you out 27 times. And again, while all sports involve critical thinking skills to succeed, well, baseball is the ultimate thinking man's game. It's a game built on failure. In fact, in baseball, there's failure every 15 seconds. The pitcher fails to throw a strike. The hitter fails to make contact. The fielder fails to make a play. The hitter fails to reach base, so on and so forth. It lasts and repeats itself for three hours until one team prevails. And it teaches us two things about baseball and about life. One, failure is never final. And two, failure is an integral part on the road to success. It's not what happens to you in life or on the field. It's how you react. See, this is the essence of the movie Field of Dreams. Well, it's a movie that creatively employs the game of baseball and a magical field as as its metaphor. Field of Dreams is not a movie about baseball. It's a movie about redemption. It's a movie about conflict resolution, hope and faith, regret, and the universal axiom that baseball is always about nurturing the adolescent bond between fathers and sons. It's a game that transcends time. It arouses emotion. It shows us that in the game of baseball, like life, We are all going to have our chances to step up to the plate and take our swings or simply leave the bat on your shoulder and watch and watch the pitches or opportunities go by. And after you've made your decision to swing away or stand there like the house on the side of the road, how will you deal with the consequences? How will you deal with the result, the outcome? You know, Woody Allen said it best. Nostalgia is a trap. It was ingenious to feature a real Major League Baseball game near the official field of Dreams Diamond in Dyersville, Iowa. Remember what Terrence Mann told Ray during his famous soliloquy. Quote, the one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been a race like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us all of that was once good. And what could be good again? Why do you think people come from all over the world to see the Field of Dreams up close and personal? The actual Field of Dreams movie uh, site on the Lansing Farm in Dyersville, Iowa, well, it continues to be one of the top 10 tourist attractions in the state and around the country. People flock from all over America to visit that field, trying to make the same connection with the lost innocence of youth that that film so effectively portrayed. 100,000 people annually visit the Field of Dreams and look no further than the word nostalgia for the reason. Nostalgia for baseball. Nostalgia for childhood memories. Long lost dreams. Nostalgia is defined as a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or a place with happy personal associations. Nostalgia is uh, it's also associated with a longing for the past, a thirst for memorable times, the personalities you knew in those times. 
the possibilities at one time, the events in your life that we now sometimes refer to as the good old days. You see, the movie Field of Dreams capitalized on this. Field of Dreams is, in fact, in my view, a very engaging film that, again, uses baseball as a metaphor on human aspirations, righting old wrongs, going the distance, and celebrating those magic moments when life on Earth can seem heavenly, even if only for a moment. Now, while I'm at it, I want to share with you some fun facts about the movie Field of Dreams I bet you never knew. First of all, people often botch the or misquote the Field of Dreams most famous line. The actual quote is, if you build it, he will come. Not if you build it, they will come. I remember when they built Comerica Park and Ford Field in Detroit, even here, Allegiant Field in uh, Las Vegas. Everybody said, if you build it, they will come. Well, that's not the line from the movie, but it's a common mistake. But that line is serious. It was ranked number 39 on AFI's greatest, 100 greatest movie quotes of all time. By the way, did you know Moonlight Graham was a real person in real life? The author, W.P. Kinsella, used Archibald Moonlight's Graham real-life story for his book because he saw the name when he got a Christmas gift one year that happened to be a baseball encyclopedia. And when he saw it, he said, I could never come up with a better name than that on my own. And when he found out that Moonlight Graham had played exactly one Major League Baseball game, he was hooked. But interestingly enough, Moonlight Graham, played by Burt Lancaster in the movie, he was not the first choice to play Moonlight Graham. In fact, it was Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart was the first choice to play Moonlight Graham in Field of Dreams, but he passed on the role. And even then, when Burt Lancaster was initially invited, he said he didn't want the part either because he didn't get it. He read the script and said, well, what is this? I don't don't get what this is. But a friend convinced him to take the part. And uh, Roger Ebert wrote about that when he compared the movie to Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life, as Kevin Costner has also done. By the way, did you know that the gentleman who played Joe Jackson in the movie, Ray Liotta, he's never seen the movie Field of Dreams. He admitted that. Although he is, he understands the importance and believes it's a great movie, he's never seen it for himself because while the filming was taking place, Ray Liotta's mother fell very ill, and Ray Liotta associate, associates that memory with the movie. And again, as you know, he played Shoeless Joe Jackson, the central figure, one of the central figures. Of course, word has it, Shoeless Joe hasn't seen the movie either. Ben, <laughs> this part cracks me up. When the scenes were filmed at Fenway Park, by the way, most of the Boston scenes were actually filmed in Dubuque, Iowa, but the real scenes at Fenway Park were at Fenway Park. And two of the extras in the audience, in the crowd that day were Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. That's right. Damon was 17 years old and Affleck just turned 16. This was the summer of 88 when they shot the film for the location scenes at Fenway Park. Remember, that was when Ray went to the Red Sox game with Terrence Mann. He had the vision on the scoreboard to travel to Chisholm, Minnesota to find Moonlight Graham. And more than a decade later, Affleck would star in Philip Alden Robinson. Now, let me let me set this, set this up. The writer-director of the movie, Phil, uh, Philip Alden Robinson, who produced... Uh, Field of Dreams, also 13 years later, produced another very successful movie, The Sum of All Fears, which Ben Affleck also starred in. And uh, on the first day of shooting, Affleck went up and tapped Philip Alden Robinson on the shoulder and said, hey, nice working with you again. 
He goes, huh? And he reminded him that he'd been an extra in the stand. So they got a little laugh out of it that day. One of the things that's notorious about this movie and speaks greatly of the people in Iowa is in order to make that final scene work with all the cars lined up, the virtually the entire city of Dyersville, Iowa, agreed to not only a town-wide blackout, but 3,000 of them piled into 1,500 cars and agreed to take part. And then after the forced blackout, which included, you know, everything, other other games in town, the local train station, the director's instructions, they broadcast to the city what to do on a local radio station. And one was for the drivers to flash their high beams on and off as they drove to make it look like there was even more movement on the road than there actually was. And they pulled that scene off. It's the final scene in the movie when the camera pans back, and it's incredible to see, as far as the eye can see, cars pulling it, uh, pulling in. That's right. Terrence Mann was right. If you build it, you know, he will come, but so did the rest of the city. Believe it or not, the movie was supposed to be called Shoeless Joe, but the movie studio, Universal Pictures, kiboshed a name when test audiences, well, they thought Shoeless Joe was some homeless hobo, and they didn't like that. So you can't make this stuff up. Now, on Thursday night, in my view, Major League Baseball, as I said, hit a grand slam home run. It, it was just, it was the perfect marriage of the game and the movie that made Major League Baseball and the Field of Dreams and that night so special. And who knew it would end in the way it did? That made it even better. But even without all that, it was a game made for TV because it was cinematic. And I, as I said, Roger Ebert, the famous movie critic, once gave Field of Dreams four stars the minute it appeared on the big screen. He would have been proud of the game. It was like a cinematic movie. But, but larger than that, Thursday night was about the timeless nature of baseball. It's about the universal appeal of this game. And if you don't believe me, just ask former Major League, uh, former Major Leaguer, A.J. Pierzynski, who couldn't wait to get there so he could go on the field and play catch with his son. Now, we don't often recognize significant moments in our life while they're happening. But this time, for once, on Thursday night, I'm guessing maybe we will. Discover matches all the cash back you earned on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes, 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Coming up, we bring in the crew. Knowledgeable sports fans, and I bet they've seen the movie. And I don't know what their opinions are on Field of Dreams, but we're going to talk about it amongst ourselves, and we'd like you to join us. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Stick and stay. Keep it right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I bet you're smart. 
Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll take you up to 8 Pacific, 11 Eastern tonight. And we're talking about the Field of Dreams, the movie, the game, the juxtaposition between the two. And uh, not everybody was gaga about the movie or the game like I was. I think most were, but not everybody was. Let's bring in the crew and get their thoughts. Steve DeSager, the juxtaposition of Field of Dreams, the movie, and the game, and what baseball was trying to accomplish there. Did you see the movie? Give me your thoughts on the whole scenario. Love the movie. Loved the game and the presentation of it. Somebody, another media member told me last night, you know, I did see that broadcast and Fox just has a way, talking about Fox TV, of presenting a big event. And that's what this is. It transcended its own sport. It was a superb effort on their part. Forget the ninth inning of the actual game. That Field of Dreams telecast, Fox TV this week, averaged about 5.9 million viewers, MLB's largest regular season audience since two. 2005. Remember when we got a big uh, rating for the very first game of last year? The season had been long delayed, and even in a rain delay game with the Yankees involved in Washington, it got 4 million viewers. This was almost 6 million this past week. They're looking to pair with the All-Star game each summer some sort of event like this. I mean, the All-Star game got over 8 million viewers. It was great, and I, by the way, watched the movie again right after the game on Thursday night. So did I, for about the 10th time and you come away with the same perspective every single time. I want to piggyback on something you said there because because Ben Maller brought up a good point. Do you, call, do you bring the game back there every year? It'll use that uniqueness. However, the subtext of this, there's never been a major league game played in the state of Iowa. Now, the Midwest Single-A League is a very good baseball league. Cedar Rapids, there's teams there. I was told that the state of Maine would be pining to have a Boston Red Sox game played in the state of Maine any Boston Red Sox game, doesn't matter who they play. I believe it. Because the folks there would consider that the biggest event of the year. Not just the biggest sporting event, but the biggest event. So does Major League Baseball perhaps parlay this into other singular events like this around the country, Steve? Well, do you remember when the NFL was going to all different locations and throwing preseason games there? And what eventually got to be a bad thing is they couldn't get an NFL uh, an NFL level turf, shall we say, Astrodome comes to mind, to actually hold these games. And they finally said, just forget it. Everybody's staying home, and we're never going to do this again. Those were preseason games. People would be excited about the sport, but maybe not the actual game. This is potentially two contenders every year, how they pair up the teams. And I agree. Take it out of Iowa. Not every year there, as special as that was this week. 
This is the United States. There are 50 states. There are many options. Consider Alaska's history with their summer league. I would love to see a night game where the sun never sets in Alaska. Major League Baseball, think about this. I know Major League Baseball for years has had a not-so-great reputation where, I mean, like when Bud Selig was running, I used to say often, including on the air, it's a great game run by idiots because they step on their (laughs) own feet too often. Don't ruin this. You've hit hit on something. Don't get stuck in a rut. Great call on Alaska. The NBC leagues up there, the Anchorage Glacier Pilots, the Gold Panners, produced a lot of major leaguers. And one last thing, Steve, did you happen to see the one-hour special? It's repeated several times, 30 years of Feel the dreams if you build it. Did you happen to see that? No, no, I did not. Oh, you've got to see that. It's 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 phenomenal about the making of the movie. And one of the things that made me so nostalgic about it, Kevin Costner went to Almadina or check that he went to Villa Park High School in Orange, California, and in the baseball team picture, which they showed in that. Uh, in that documentary, which I strongly recommend everybody see, he's in the middle row. Kevin Costner's in the middle row, second from the left. The guy to his immediate right is a gentleman named Les Fields. I played with Les Fields in college, and we played against those teams when I was in Connie Mack when I was in high school, went to the Crosstown Rival, El Medina. I was so blown away. I tracked down Les, called him. We hadn't talked since 1998. I had an out-of-body experience. I almost considered having him on the show, but it, would, it, it just wouldn't have worked. The long and the short of it is, there's almost like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon aspect about the Field of Dreams and about the game of baseball. As a matter of fact, you run into people in baseball, they never say goodbye. They say so long because you'll probably see him again down the road. I think Freddie Freeman for the Braves is from that he, area. He went to Almanina well. High School, graduated yeah. in 2007. Yep. Um, Aaron Boone is from Orange County. His Ville dad Park. was catcher uh, with the Angels. So, yeah, there's a lot of history through there. And I remember uh, I was on the air in Anaheim years ago when Kevin Costner used to religiously follow the Cal State Fullerton baseball team and used to take infield with them and sometimes would have the team over if he had a new movie coming out and would have a private party with them. Uh, He loves baseball. He loves that area. And I love the fact that Fox had him pregame and during the game. It really added to the telecast this week. To your point as well, the entire production value of this event was incredible, beginning with Kevin Costner walking through the corn, entering the field, followed by the players, and then grabbing the microphone and saying, is this heaven? And he says, yes, it is. Great stuff, Steve. Bobo, your thoughts. Did you see the movie? Did you like the movie? Did you, what did you think of the game? Take I can say this. The, the movie's a classic. I, I was maybe, what, five or – no, I was born in 83, so I was about seven when the movie came out. Maybe so, yeah. Six, yeah. So, May of 89 is yeah. when it came out. So I think I, when I finally watched it, it was in the 90s, but it, it was a good movie. Uh, the Field of Dreams game, I did not see all of it. I was at work at the time, but I did watch the highlights, and it looked, the presentation of the game, as uh, Steve said, looked amazing. And the, the the ending that it ended in such a historic fashion with that walk-off home run was just amazing to me. And it just, it it did look a little funny, like just to him to hit a home run and it's just corn all in the background. Like, do they get the ball after that? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. Those are probably collector's items. I love that it was Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson plays the game with joy. Baseball needs to wrap their arms around Tim Anderson. I love this guy. He shows up. They get it done. The White Sox, they might be my favorite team to watch this year from LaRusso on down. That's a story for a different day. But, yeah, you know what, Bowl? And I understand that this movie came out. It was a generation ago. Yeah. But it's evergreen. It still holds up. Okay? Yeah, it's still- I- a good movie and I mean the fact that uh, it's 
It's become a meme. It was a meme a while ago. It's like, if you build it, they will come. Like, people made a lot of fun about that. You bet. That's still, like, when you hear that, if you're over 35 plus, you automatically know what movie that what movie is it from. Well, I've heard so many comments from people from all ranges. Costner hangs on to the, will you have, they don't have a catch with your dad. Again, I think it's about a resolved conflict. Terrence Matt had checked out of life. He was an angry man. This field. Kevin Costner had a dream. He want, you know, he didn't know his father, W.P. Kinsella, in real life. And it just goes from there. And I heard a comment somebody say the other day. He says, you know what? When I saw that movie, I've seen it 10 times. I live vicariously through the movie because I never wanted to hang out with my dad. We didn't get along. Mm. But I'd do anything to be able to go on the field and have a catch with my dad today. So it allows people to reminisce as well. It's very nostalgic. Especially for these days, Bertie, because think of all the people who are sports fans and lost loved ones in the past year and a half, including some, the people that they used to play catch with. This was perfect timing this was just a beautiful evening incredible uh lead the lab your thoughts on the whole matter well uh, i hadn't seen the film since i was a little little kid actually probably and me and my girlfriend we had uh, got together at a bar and watched the game and she humorously couldn't quite put together what came first the field or the movie or the game what did they did they build the game <laughs> build the stadium for the game i mean it was it was kind of funny so we went home to try and watch it Try to watch it, meaning we fell asleep. I'm not knocking the movie. We love the movie. Um, but it was a great, great experience. It, it got her into the game of baseball. She's not a sports fan at all. Um, just just goes to show you how much this means, not just to regular sports fans, but to the layman, or however you want to label it, the non-sports fans. And uh, I just want to piggyback off of you know put, putting games in other locations. You know, James Earl Jones, let's get another baseball movie from him. Let's do a Sandlot game. How about that? That's been bandied about. That's been bandied about a theme from the movie Sandlot. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I think that would be. Re- I think that would be really cool. Um, obviously, they're they're talking about redoing this next season, but we could we could move it to any state, tons of locations. I think that it's going to be uh, something we see going forward. Did you find the theme of the movie uh, in any way relatable to anything in your own personal life? Um, no, I mean. Th- th- not, not not necessarily again I, I hadn't seen it since I was much since I was a lot younger and uh, look forward to watching it again but. yeah see see it again and if you can pull up the movie poster because on top it says Ray Kinsella all his life when searching for his dreams and one day his dreams came searching for him I think you know there's an old quote the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation a lot of people want to be something they don't know what to do and what this movie did is kind of bring it alive. And perhaps what what people will take away from this movie is that life is always in a state of flux. It's never too late. And I think what that did is give hope to people who maybe had been putting something off and decided, no more. I'm going to put my foot down and get on with my life. Good stuff, guys. You know, not everything baseball's doing lately is hitting a grand slam home run in my view. As a matter of fact, 61 feet, 6 inches, that doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. I'll explain. But first, let's go to the man, sudden death, Steve DeSager with the latest. We have a trade in the NBA. Woj ESPN reporting the Clippers are dealing guards Patrick Beverly and Rajon Rondo to Memphis for guard Eric Bledsoe, who was originally a Clipper a decade ago. The NBA Summer League's continuing in Las Vegas. Among the games complete for a Sunday, Wizards first-rounder Corey Kisper from Gonzaga had 18 points in a win against Milwaukee. A.J. Allmendinger took the NASCAR race on the Indy Road Course. An MRI on the shoulder of Packers quarterback Jordan 
Love came back clean, but he's reportedly uncertain for this week. One NFL exhibition today in Indianapolis. The Colts kicked a late field goal to win 21-18 over Carolina. Kevin Kisner won the golf event in a six-man playoff in Greensboro, North Carolina. Kisner earned over $1.1 million. The other five golfers in the playoff each got about $400,000, according to Golf Digest. Roger Federer will miss the U.S. Open. He'll have a third operation on his knee. He turned 40 this month. To the Major League game in New York tonight, the Dodgers scored six early runs, hitting three homers against starters Carlos Carrasco. It's now 6-1. Dodgers over the Mets in the top of the fourth. The long balls for Justin Turner, Will Smith, and Max Muncy. And it's Max Scherzer on the mound for L.A. against the Mets tonight. Braves won 6-5 at the National. Reds were winners 7-4 at the Phillies. And the Brewers were 2-1 winners against the Pirates. Back to you. Thanks so much, Steve. And uh, I got a kick out of the line Steve used a minute ago about baseball is the greatest game run by dummies. And I forget who that was attributed to many years ago, but I believe it's fairly well accurate. I remember during the 1981 strike, George Steinbrenner said of Commissioner Bowie Kuhn, if Bowie Kuhn were alive today, there'd, we'd be playing baseball. And I remember in 1994 when they canceled the World Series, it, it just felt like Bud Selig, who's a decent, good man, was vacuous. But I digress. You know, back in the day, there was a Yankees player by the name of Ron Bloomberg. Ron was, you know, near the end of his career. He was an aging veteran playing for the New York Yankees. One day he was sitting at home before the start of the 1973 season. He got a call from his agent to tell him, quote, Ron, this year you're going to be the new DH for the team. And Ron Bloomberg started laughing. He said, what's that? Designated Hebrew? He didn't even know what a DH was. Well, the DH, the designated hitter, was born in 1973. That was the first year the American League ever employed it. And pundits said the designated hitter would never last, but almost 50 years later, well, yeah, it's still here. And let's face it, it's one of many, many changes that have been implemented in Major League Baseball over the last few decades, starting with expansion, uh, creating the divisions, AstroTurf, uh, dome stadiums, interleague play, the wild card game, and now even the wacky additions like putting a man on second base to start extra innings. By the way, that one's not working, and that's going to be in the dumpster next year. But with each new change over the decades, uh, there was always plenty of teeth gnashing among the purists. But one day, the late, great Don Drysdale said, I know there's always going to be changes in baseball. Just don't mess with 60 feet, 6 inches, and 90 feet between the bases. Those things are sacred. Well, guess what? Starting last Tuesday in the Independent Atlantic League, a minor league, thank God it's only there and it's only for now, there is an experiment going on and one of those sacred distances that Don Drysdale referred to is being messed with. They are experimenting with moving the mound back a full foot to 61 feet Six inches. And yeah, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue so nicely. But in truth, blame it on the strikeout rates in baseball right now. And you know who's behind this? A guy you've heard of and a guy you respect. You have to. How many GMs took over the Boston Red Sox, won a World Series, and broke the curse? Then just for fun goes to Chicago and wins the uh, World Series with the Cubs, breaking that curse. Yes, I'm talking about Theo Epstein, who's now employed by Major League Baseball as a rules consultant. And back in April, he he started to he started to believe and certainly come to the conclusion that he said, we have to recognize that the pitcher-batter relationship dynamic is a little bit out of balance 
And we've got to look for ways to restore that equilibrium. And he's not wrong in the sense that the strikeout rate in Major League Baseball this season is just shy of 24%. That's a lot. Just not that long ago, in the 90s, he was only about 15%. That's a pretty big leap. And baseball recently had their day in court uh, cracking down on, quote-unquote, the sticky substances and spider tack. And basically, seems like some offense is returning. Uh, just in the last month, there have been 23 games where the winning team won by more than 10 runs, which is a conversation for a different day, day, day because that leads you to believe there's a real imbalance. But the truth of the matter is they've really studied this, and I don't know if it's going to come to pass, but even the American, the, even the American Sports Medicine Institute took a hard look at this, and they tested the differences in rotational motion or what you would call acceleration for pitchers that threw from 60 feet, 6 inches, 61, 62, all the way back to 63, 63 feet, 8 inches. And so the one thing that they determined is there's scientific reasons to believe that if they move it back, it will not pose any meaningful increase in injury to, to pitchers. So that's why they consider Major League Baseball considered the, considers this to be a worthwhile experiment. They're now experimenting with 61 feet, 6 inches. Now, of course, one good bit, you know, piece of good news. The other sacred measurement that Drysdale talked about, 90 feet between the bases, that remains intact, although they've been experimenting in AAA this year on the AAA level with bases that are bigger that actually shorten the span by 3 inches. So it's 90, 89 feet, 9 inches if you're scoring at home, but let's not go down that road. This isn't the first time the mound's been moved back. But for the record, it hasn't been moved back since 1893 when it was only 55 feet. But it was even closer than that when baseball first started. The long and the short of it is, throughout baseball and their history, there's always been imbalance like this, and they've always changed it by moving the mound. And in 1893, what I just alluded to the last time they did move the mound back and they moved it from 55 feet to 60 feet six inches it, almost immediately after that happened cumulative batting averages in the major leagues went from 245 to 285 that's quite a big jump and the league strikeout rate dropped from almost nine percent down to five percent which seems minuscule compared to the 24 percent right now so with that in mind the equilibrium as theo epstein is calling it was successfully amended, all right? And there have been other points where offense needed a little kick in the pants. You've most likely heard of 1968. It was, you know, it's, it will always go down in baseball history as the year of the pitcher, and that's when they lowered the mound from 15 inches to 10 inches, and we've been with that that distance ever since, or that length ever or that height, excuse me. But there you have it. That's why baseball is tinkering with this. If you hear about it, uh, don't get shocked. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but now that they've changed everything else in the last 50 years, it's on the table. It could happen. Look, these are human decisions, all right? And they don't know sometimes what to do. Baseball has a typical, you know, they overreact sometimes, many times. But but at the, at the heart of this, what they're trying to do is balance offense and defense and have a game that is considered high-value entertainment. That's what it's about. As a matter of fact, a, a baseball historian by the name of John Thorne was quoted as saying just a few weeks ago, he said, quote, baseball is not a 100-yard dash because in baseball, we get to move the tape if we want to. 
we'll do whatever we need to do to create entertainment. So if they move the mound back a foot, don't fall off your chair. Get out to a game. See if it makes any difference. As far as I know, Ron Bloomberg somewhere is smiling because he's a hitter. But I still contend Don Drysdale somewhere he's spinning in his grave. Coming up, you've heard it before, from mayor to president, there have been athletes and entertainers that have run for office. Bill Bradley, Dave Bing, He Shuler, Lynn Swan, yeah, even Clint Eastwood. And I think he even got elected. There's a new one. I know you've heard of this guy. And he hasn't had his name around baseball in quite a while, but he's decided to run for mayor. I'll discuss. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount+, Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto. Come to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll take you up to 8 o'clock Pacific tonight and 11 p.m. Eastern Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. to take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. As I mentioned, throughout you know recent period of time, there have been multiple athletes and even celebrities who have run for everything from mayor to president. Uh, Clint Eastwood, he ran for mayor of Carmel. I think he not only won, I think he even won a re-election. 
uh, Bill Bradley, who was in Congress for years, or Dave Bing, former uh, legend Detroit Piston, Heath Shuler, quarterback, and, of course, Lynn Swan. And now former New York Mets manager Bobby Valentine is running for mayor of Stanford, Connecticut. He announced it recently. And, uh, you know, you remember Bobby Valentine. He, well, first of all, Bobby Valentine was a great player back in the day. He broke his leg uh, trying to make a, a circus catch in center field at Angel Stadium and broke, he was just never the same. Uh, before that, he was like Ricky Henderson. He could steal bases, played great defense. He could hit gap power, first to third. He was the package. Didn't hit for a lot of power, but everything else. And I understand he was even a all-state football player in high school and multiple scholarships and all those things. But when he got hurt, he had a nice career, not anywhere near the career he would have had had he not suffered that broken leg, and it was bad. So Bobby Valentine is actually more remembered for his tenure as a manager, and he's managed more than one team, and even in Japan, but he's really remembered for his tenure as manager of the Mets, okay? He was a colorful guy. Um, He was, I would say, successful. All right, he reached the postseason twice as a manager, and um, they came close. I mean, I believe they did. Bobby was the manager, I believe, in 2000 when they won the pennant, when they won the National League pennant. And everybody will always remember Bobby and his appearance in the dugout while he was wearing a fake mustache and glasses after being ejected. They showed that on SportsCenter a hundred times. So now that Bobby in his time in baseball is over, it's long been over, he actually wants to be remembered as a politician. Now, Bobby's been pretty active in his personal life. Uh, He's been a part of many diverse environments, not only post-baseball, but even during his baseball career. And that's going to be one of the platforms of his campaign because he points to the fact that his experience in different clubhouses as a player and a manager, uh, not only in the major leagues, but also in the minor leagues, as well as his time as a manager in Japan, he, he shows he can work with people from many different backgrounds. That's going to be his platform. He's also embracing the status as someone who is going to be portrayed as a political outsider. Uh, clearly, obviously, in this country, there's a major political divide. There's general di- dissatisfaction with both parties. And Bobby has decided he's going to capitalize on that. He's going to run independently. And who knows, that may be a, a great move. It may backfire. I don't know. But he already has plenty of name recognition, and so he doesn't need a party. And he's also got the financial backing of a lot of powerful people, including former President uh, George W. Bush. And, and I mentioned, like I said, Bobby's been part of many diverse environments in, in his career, and many he's held many positions, as it were, uh, aside from his managerial uh, responsibilities in baseball, again, in the minor leagues and the major leagues and even in Japan. He was the athletic director at Sacred Heart University, and he also served as the director of public safety in Stamford, Connecticut, Plus, he's owned several restaurants in his life. So he's been in charge of a lot of things. A quick side note, Bobby claims to have invented the rap. Not not the rap like, like Eminem. The rap like when you go and you order a rap and a sandwich. Kind of reminds me of the scene in Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion when 
Janine Garoppolo said, I, you know, I invented post-it notes, but they'd already been invented. But I don't know, maybe Bobby did invent the rap. I know he's an interesting guy. He's a very smart guy. I've talked to him many times. Bobby's a, a little out there. He's, he can flip. I remember in 1997, the first year they had interleague play. And at that time, I was with WTKA 1050 in Ann Arbor, and I'm at the Tiger, at the old Tiger Stadium, and I wanted to say hello to Bobby because he used to train in Southern California uh, when he uh, when he was playing Major League Baseball, and I knew the field he worked out at, and I shook his hand, and he's, oh yeah, I remember that, and we had the nicest conversation. Well, they had just they had just called up Hideki Arabu to the Major Leagues, and he was going to start the next night uh, against the Tigers. And I asked him a couple questions about Arabu, and, you know, the word was that he was a little slow coming off the mound, so teams might want to bunt against him, or uh, perhaps his motion was a little slow. He hadn't learned the slide step yet, so, you know, base stealers might be able to take advantage of that. And, you know, he said they were working on all those things. I said, but I understand he's got four pitches. And he looked at me really sternly like I'm an idiot. He says, well, what's the fourth pitch? And I'm scrambling to myself. Right, with the, I need to sound smart here. Uh, what do I see? He's got a fastball. He's got uh, probably some sort of break. Uh, he's, I'm sure he's got a slider. Um, he's got some sort of change off-speed pitch. And I, cut fastball, Bobby. Is he have a cut? And he looked at me like you don't know this. Why would you say? And it was funny how how he flipped like that. And it's my understanding Bobby's got into it with guys on the radio while, while he was coming on as a guest. And so. It's not unusual for for Bobby to react that way, and I'm wondering if it'll cost him. But, again, this is a local mayoral election. Uh, Steve DeSager, are you there? Would you vote for a Bobby Valentine? Would you take something like this serious? (laughs) Uh, Well, these days, I guess you kind of have to, don't you? Why not? You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah. Well, he actually governed. Well, he did. Yeah. He, he, you know, that's the thing. I, I, I think Bobby's taking this seriously. So if he gets elected, I think he's going to take the job seriously. He's going to do the job. No? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why, why else would it come into the news at this point? Yeah. Well, life's, look, when, well, Bobby's a luminary. I mean, he's a guy that people know who he is. He had enough of a career. He, I think he's in his 70s now, or he's around 70-ish. But, you know, life's an activist pursuit. He's decided he doesn't want to sit on the sidelines of life. He's going to do uh, – Bobo, you have any thoughts on this? Uh, you, you know who Bobby Valentine is, of course. And, Bobo, are you running for mayor of anything? I am not running for mayor of anything, and I, if he wins, he wins. Good luck. Some people here are just <laughs> running for the state line, nothing else. Well, that's happening. Running to the liquor store and commercial break. Can <laughs> <laughs> we need a dog? We got a good act. Lead a lap. Any thoughts on this? No, I'll, I'll stay out of the politics of it. Go, go ahead, Bobby V. Go for it. You're smart. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about the malice at the palace. I was there. Stick around. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. 
The Fox Sports Sunday train keeps rolling. We'll take you up to 8 o'clock tonight Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. I want to remind you that Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes, 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. On November 19, 2004, there was a little basketball game played in Detroit that has become commonly known as the Malice at the Palace between Indiana and the Pistons. Now, Netflix recently did a documentary on that. It's a little over an hour. I watched it. They did a nice job. Uh, A couple things they left out, which I'm going to get to, but I know this is a subject matter that's still very much alive these days. It conjures up memories for various people and strikes a certain chord with certain people. There were three aspects of this event that I think comprise the entire event. Now, uh, I was there that night. Uh, we were doing a radio remote, and at 10.45 p.m., I walked in from the lobby just to peek into the game. At precisely that moment, Ron Artest was following Ben Wallace, and what happened was incredible to see. I was incredulous. Uh, we've been talking about it for 16 years, 17 years ever since. It will be 17 years, November 19th. The score was 97 to 82, and there were 45 seconds left in the game. Now, why did this happen? I'm going to break this down into three distinct areas. First of all, let's set the stage. Artest commits the foul, a hard foul against Ben Wallace. Wallace retaliates by pushing Artest. Ron Artest runs over to the scorer's table, lays lays on top of the scorer's table. To this day, we're never really going to know why. He's given some explanations, but... None are really completely cogent to me. And that's when a gentleman by the name of John Green, who was a Pistons fan, who became infamous, he became literally a household name, he threw a cup which had a little bit of beer in it, not a full cup of beer, flies down, and wouldn't you know it, hits our test. It caused our test to charge into the stands. Then the situation escalates to a full-scale brawl because uh, fans started to take part. Several Pacers took part. Uh, Steven Jackson followed our test into the stands. Uh, a, a, another fan came onto the court, squared up against Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal threw a punch, and if his plant left foot hadn't slipped on probably beer on the floor, I think he would have knocked the guy's head uh, into Oakland County. Uh, but fortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, even Jamal Tinsley, he picked up a long-handled dustpan in order to defend himself, although he never had to use it. And part, yes, it's true, our test actually punched the wrong guy in the stands and everything went crazy and the game was called the Pacers won 97-82 they never played the last 45 seconds and it was an absolute pandemonium Uh, after the game uh, several of the players were suspended by David Stern Uh, obviously Artest was the hardest hit he was suspended for the remainder of the regular season and the playoffs he would never play for the Pacers again Steven Jackson was suspended 30 games Jermaine O'Neal was suspended 25 games. And I want to stop right there because if you see uh, the, the, the Netflix documentary or you have listened to some of the radio hits that Jermaine O'Neal has done, he's a very thoughtful guy. He's a very bright guy. He's a very introspective guy. He was deeply troubled by this event. I have talked to Jermaine O'Neal. It's been years for more than just a few minutes. And he was very engaging, and what you saw on TV is exactly who he was. I never really bought into the nationwide narrative these guys are just a bunch of thugs. That was not fair. 
This was spontaneous combustion in a way that no one could ever have seen coming, although I have theories as to maybe they did see it coming. But, but hold that thought. Again, the way the players were portrayed was, wasn't fair. It wasn't fair. And I want to put that on the record. This is a one-night event that got out of control. And since then, people have tried to move on with their lives. Jermaine O'Neal says he can't. Even to this day, people come up to him. It'll just never leave him. So that's aspect number one, what happened that night. But aspect number two, there was a backstory here that Netflix didn't cover. Now, one thing they did a good job of of, of, sort, of sort of reporting on was that this Indiana Pacers team was built to win a championship. They had Reggie Miller. They needed to get a little tougher. They went out and got Ron Artest. They got Steven Jackson. They got Jermaine O'Neal. This was a damn good team coached by Rick Carlisle, who's a damn good coach. And in 2004, they won 61 games, and they were the odds-on favorite to win the NBA title that year until they ran into the upstart Pistons and lost in the Eastern Conference Finals in six games, highlighted by a brilliant block shot by uh, Tayshaun Prince, which I know Detroit fans, if you're listening, you're smiling right now, is an incredible signature play, kind of like the one LeBron made uh, against the Golden State Warriors a few years ago. Now, here's where the story takes off with respect to aspect number two in June, 2003, Rick Carlisle, who'd been the head coach for the Detroit Pistons was unceremoniously fired by the owner, Bill Davidson. I'm not going to go into the reasons why, but it was a little odd because, because Carlisle had done a good job with the Pistons, but there, I think there was some personality conflicts. So Carlisle exits in comes Larry Brown and the very team that Carlisle thought he'd win a championship with the Pistons. He's eliminated by that team. They were angry. They were embarrassed. They were. They were. They wanted revenge. Uh, they believed that was their championship. And not only does Carlisle get fired by that team, he loses to that team on the way to the championship. All, you know when they were uh, uh, eliminated and upset by the Detroit Pistons in May of 2004. Here's here's the third part of the story that I think, to me, is. <laughs> The one that gets my attention the most, and it's not really talked about, and I don't recall it being covered in the Netflix uh, uh, documentary. Now, I get it. It's against the law to practice psychology without a license, but I do it on the radio all the time. So I'm going to blurt it out. I contend that Indiana was fostering what I would consider to be a fairly unhealthy team culture because their leadership that night, make no mistake about it, the Indiana Pacers had that game circled on the calendar, November 19, 2004, a Friday night. They wanted to go into town, kick the Pistons in the nuts, establish their superiority, say we were really the better team, and we're serving notice tonight that if you have designs on winning a championship, you're going through Indianapolis again. Well, they came out firing. The Pacers came out firing on all cylinders, and they dominated that game from the jump. All right. They made their statement. It was their statement game. And with 45 seconds to go and the game basically over, and they're up by 15, they weren't done making their statement. Because instead of taking their victory, riding out of town and saying, just so you know, we've served notice, you're going to have to go through us again. The Pacers' leadership, I believe, 
I don't want to indict them. I just, and I can't prove it. I just want to, this is a depression that they let the future, the, the, the fate of their future hang in the balance because they were more focused on settling the past score instead of thinking long-term of winning the championship. Now, Rick Carlisle, again, he was coach of the, the Pacers that night, viewed this matchup, as I said, as a statement game. He wanted to prove they were better and stronger and that the road to repeat would have to go through the Pacers. So, in fact, it was Rick Carlisle's decision to keep his players in fighting mode, in powder keg mode, when the game was in the refrigerator, as Chick Hurd would say. The game was over. Why were the starters still on the floor when they're up 15 points with 45 seconds left? It basically created a scenario where both sides, and by the way, the Pistons were fuming too. Ben Wallace had smoke coming out of his ears, and the Pistons had some guys that weren't real happy about the way that game was going that night either. They were embarrassed because the whole city of Detroit was supposed to be a party, and it wasn't. So the long and the short of it is, Ron Artest, who'd been fouled by Ben Wallace hard the year before in the playoffs, wanted to get even, and Jamal Tinsley reminded him when they were up by 15, here's a chance to get your foul. And that part they showed on Netflix. I knew about that. And it was Artest's decision to listen and to play with fire and to listen to Tinsley instead of simply moving on. So there's your three aspects of this. Steve DeSager, do you remember the malice at the palace? Did you see it live? If so, do you remember where you were and what's your key takeaway from this whole event? I remember it was the only thing on sports media that evening. And it's the kind of thing that was enough of a touchstone that it deserves years later. And I mean years later, a look back at it. And some people may, it was over 15 years ago, some people may not even be aware of it, may not be uh, conscious that it was a thing, but an NBA fight, and you mentioned uh, a good job of mentioning the background of the whole thing. It was, and not just that night, it was a huge story for the NBA that season. And the, yes, there were enough uh, complications or underlying things that a documentary would be deserved. What I, as a person who's always lived in California, have appreciated of what's come since in all of those years is seeing the maturity of Ron Artest. Let's let's be honest, he was a very immature player as he was in that Pacers-Pistons game at the time. And wow, did he grow and became part of that Lakers-Kobe championship team about a decade ago. That's right, 2010. And he was... Uh he, he exhibited remorse, saying he wished he could have done this in, uh, in Indiana. You're right. Ron Artest is actually a, an engaging, friendly guy. He's got a great sense of humor. I told Lee the lap a story off air that I can't say on the air, but Lee can tell you guys on the break. Lee, uh, did you see the documentary Netflix on Netflix? I did see the documentary. In fact, I look forward to seeing the other, uh, the other series from the Untold, uh, the Untold series on Netflix. I think they're going to do Caitlyn Jenner as well as a few others. Um, I I did like it. There wasn't a a lot that I picked up that I didn't already know, but it was good to see the insight from the players, um, like Ron Artest talking about you know calling himself a coward and owning up to that that fact, and seeing how him and uh, Jermaine O'Neal had that huge falling out. Um, yep. Something I had forgotten. Of course, when I was I was in high school during this time, so I remember it being you know the talk of the lunch yard the next day, and of course it being on Sports Center and the whole nine. Um, and but of course, us in sports talk radio, I think it comes up more often than uh, other circles. But uh, definitely, well done documentary. Again, I thought the word the Sager hit it. Uh, the national narrative in the echo chamber was there all a bunch of thugs. It wasn't fair. One of the things I think that uh, the Netflix uh, checked at the uh, the documentary did 
was sort of finally put the spotlight more on the fans. Now, I know living in Michigan and in Detroit, what happened to those fans and how many were criminally charged, and, and they, they didn't get off easy, right? And it was not a situation where it was just the players. It took two to tango. That didn't capture the national media as well as the local media in terms of the price to pay that some of the fans that were culpable about this had to pay. But it, it, it did happen, and uh, I think it's now it's a, it's a cautionary tale for folks. You buy a ticket, you go to a game. That doesn't give you a right to act a fool and put someone else in danger. Uh, Bobo, did you, did you see the Netflix uh, special? Yeah, actually, um, I watched it today, as a matter of fact, which was funny when Lee texted me. That's exactly what I was doing. Um, I, I learned a lot about it that I didn't know before. Like, I, I guess I completely forgot about how big of a suspension Ron Art, I'm sorry, Meta World Peace had. And I have run into Meta since even his playing days in L.A. I've actually run into him at a bowling alley. Uh, for a friend's birthday party, and he actually hung with us, ate cake He's with us. He's cool. Was so cool and so humble, it was unreal. Yes. Um, as far as that, as the documentary goes, I did not know that the fans were punished the way that they were. Like, I knew that they were talked about, but I didn't know to the extent that they actually went down and found everybody responsible to the guy that walked onto the court and like as far as the guy that threw the original beer like as DeSager said it wasn't a full beer but I don't care it was still a beer there was still liquid in that cup and I mean imagine that today with coronavirus going on like could you imagine <laughs> what would have happened to that person it was a great throw too by yeah, the way and it was a long throw and hit uh meta right in the face man and what I did forget about was how many times Metal World Peace changes uh, at the time. Ron Artest changed his damn number. He had like three numbers while he was playing for the Pacers. Yeah. All good stuff, guys. I can tell the one quick funny Ron Artest story. Years ago when the NBA went on strike, Ron Artest, true story, he got a job at Best Buy, and they asked him why. He said, I want to get the employee discount. And that is about as a Ron Artest thing as you could do. <laughs> but Bobo, you know, because I've talked to him, and he, he is a cool cat he and is, a lot of man. fun. And if you didn't know, you, you wouldn't know he's an NBA player. He's just he's got that gift. He's very engaging, and when he you deal with him one on one, he has just this, uh, yeah, ability to put you at ease and make you feel like you're cool. It was we were at uh, Lucky Strike, as a matter of fact, right there off of Hollywood and Sunset. Yeah, and we were having a party for a friend of mine's, and we had cake. He was there for his son's party, and he got there before anybody else did to make sure that the area was straight and cool, and his area was right next to ours. So while we were sitting there, I was somebody was like, yo, go see if you want some cake. I was like, I don't care. I go up. And I asked him. He was like, yeah, sure, if y'all don't mind. He took a slice, ate that, and came back. was like, yo, can I hang out with y'all until my people come? And he hang out with us, ate another slice, and laughed and clowned the whole time we were there. He was cool and humble, one of the coolest celebrities I've met one of them absolutely and that's why when you see these stories sometimes we have to tell the whole story it's not as isolated as people think if you haven't seen the netflix special i recommend you do i think you'll enjoy it but it doesn't necessarily tell the whole story coming up let's bring in a gentleman 10-year major leaguer 20 years in the broadcast booth he sent me the coolest picture today. It was him and his son at Dyersville on the Field of Dreams. We're going to talk about that and what's going on in Major League Baseball as well. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. 
we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll take you up to 8 Pacific, 11 Eastern. Without further ado, let's bring in a gentleman, one of my favorites, 10-year major leaguer, pitching the All-Star Game 20 years on the broadcast booth. Say hello to Larry Sorensen. Larry, thanks for coming on tonight, buddy. Appreciate it. Always, always good talking to you, Bernie. Hope things are well out there. Absolutely. And Larry, you sent the coolest picture today. I... I remember that actually very well. If a memory serves, that was summer in '98, and you took your son Mark and the family to Dyersville for the Field of Dreams. Of course, Mark later signed professional contract with the Tigers, got the Double A. And I would just say this: that uh, before I get to the game Thursday and your thoughts, uh, talk about your personal experience to going to the Field of Dreams because 100,000 people visit that field every year, and I've just decided I've got to be one of them. Well, absolutely. Put it on your bucket list. No question about that. I can't believe you came up with the 98, man. That's impressive in and of itself. Six years uh, of high school know, football without a helmet. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a tremendous family experience. We went out there in a big RV and took a couple of weeks and went to Mount Rushmore and so on. And as you said, Mark was 12 at the time. And we got out there, so he was still a little bit too young to uh, get one into the corn from home plate. So I took him out behind second, uh, in front of second base, and threw one to him, and he got it into the corn from took there. So it's deep. great memory. <laughs> and what's that? He took you deep. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, more than once, on more than one occasion, he has. But uh, it was it was a great memory, and it was a great place. You know, the movie had come out uh, many years earlier, about uh, I guess eight years or so earlier, nine years earlier and i happened to do the college world series in 1990 91 and 92 and espn got kevin costner to do the voiceover for the college world series in 90 
and and the producer had eight uh, little league players playing outside Rosenblatt Stadium, just playing ball a little bit, and then all of a sudden they looked over at the stadium and they came walking through center field and they morphed into a player from each team that was in the College World Series. And Costner's last line was, is this heaven? No, this is Omaha. (laughs) Well, look, it's a recurring theme, uh, Larry. Uh, You and I, we go back a long way. We both know how baseball is personally such a part of our core. But I want to ask you a question. I think I know the answer. Tell the audience, I mean, you articulate these things very well. There's a reason that game Thursday night was the most watched game on Fox Sports in 16 years as far as regular season. Most watched teenagers last 10 years, female viewers the last 15 years. What are your thoughts? There are reasons why that happened. You know, it, it just grabbed a, a piece of us, and I thought Kevin Costner really, really uh, did a great job articulating the different things that he, he went through as he was making the movie. And, and I watched a follow-up today, as a matter of fact, that he did with Bob Costas, who, of course, is a baseball romantic like you and I are. And, and they talked about the experience with Timothy Busfield of, of making the movie. And it just reached a lot of people in a, in a lot of different ways. And it's funny because I talked to a number of people on Friday that called kind of out of the blue and said, hey, did you watch that game last night? They said, I heard it was going on, and so I started to watch an inning, and I ended up watching the whole thing. And then, of course, the way the game ended was just incredible. And people remember that for a lifetime as well. So I, I, it just seemed to me like it was every good thing about baseball that we have seen for the past 50 years that you and I have been watching it or 60 years that you and I have been watching it. And it took us old-timers back. It grabbed newcomers. It grabbed people that didn't care about the game of baseball, but it was different and unusual. And when the players came walking through center field and shook Costner's hand out there, uh, it was just it was just remarkable. I had goosebumps and a little bit of a tear going too. Electrifying. Talking with Larry Sorensen, ten-year major leaguer, and of course, uh, twenty years in the broadcast booth. Larry, uh, since you've been there, you know, let's say I want to get there for Vegas. You fly into Milwaukee and drive across. To, can you help me out with that? What do you? I, I don't even know how to get there. <laughs> well, you take a Walt Michaels RV that he gives you for free, and you just start heading west. Is that's what, that's when we I lived did. in Michigan. See, we both moved since then. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't give you – It's uh, just put your GPS in for Field of go. Dreams, and I'm sure it'll get you there. But uh, it, it literally is in the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, and you just kind of come around a corner, and all of a sudden there it is. And I remember in, back in 98 – it was a big fight because there was a power line that went right through the middle of the outfield, and it was kind of the dividing line between a couple of agricultural conglomerates that owned the different sides of the property. So there actually were like two souvenir stands from for different companies at that time, and I don't know how it's changed since then. But, uh, you know, it, it was a very special event. I think it was something that was tremendous for baseball. I think it was something that baseball needed desperately, and I think that uh, it, it did a great Great uh, promotional uh, had great promotional value for the game, as well as getting people involved again. You know, in in a beautiful kind of way. Instead of fighting, instead of complaining, everybody saw all the good things about the game. 
That's a good point. It changed the narrative and the zeitgeist from fighting about contracts and such to just enjoying the essence of the game, which is a youthful game that is learned from fathers and sons. Larry, do you think baseball takes this event and parlays it into other things? I mean, they played a game in London a couple years ago. Uh, they had never played a Major League Baseball game in Iowa. As you know, I mean, this Midwest single-A league is there, Cedar Rapids and such. Do you think baseball, what are you hearing from your people, that they try to take this and parlay it into another event like this in the future? You know, I talked to, I had a friend that was, uh, that was on his way out there on Thursday and uh, sent me a message from the airport saying that he was going out there. And after the game, and we kind of went back and forth. And then after the game, I sent him a text and said, wow. And he said, well said. And I think that what baseball and what I hope baseball will do, Rob Manfred and his crew and Tony Clark and his crew, is understand that they have to get back to some of the basics a little bit. They have to bring back the, the, the neat nuances of the game. You don't always have to go with, uh, with explosive-type things and make a big splash. Baseball is something that's endured for a long time. You know, I remember in in the early going when I was uh, when I was a kid growing up in the game of baseball in the big leagues. And I was 21 when I made it to the major leagues and had some old timers like Sal Bando and Jim Cott and guy and Gene Tennis and guys that said, "Just remember, the game's going to be here a long time after you're gone. The game's going to survive all of us. We're just here as a little bit of a caretaker during the time that we do it." Baseball will keep going on, and it has and it will. There's no doubt about it. It's timeless. I always wish we had more time. 30 seconds left. Any updates on the labor agreement? You think they'll be able to avoid a strike? Uh, I think it's going to get nasty before it gets done, but I think it'll get done. I, I don't think that baseball is in a position where it can afford to lose any ground, any more ground in the race for audience control and audience share. And I don't think they can afford to take time off. So I think they will find a way to get it done. People are sounding positive about it from the people I've been talking to. That's a uh, positive, pragmatic way to look at it, and we'll run with that. Larry, appreciate it. Let's get you back on in the playoffs because I'm really kind of excited about this Chicago White Sox team. There's something about them. They're pretty darn good. They're fun to watch. I got some Tim Anderson stories I can tell you from when he was in Winston-Salem as a member of the Dash. Hey, nicely done. That's right. You do the play by or you do the uh, color commentary for the single-A team there in Winston-Salem. Good stuff, Larry. As always, appreciate it. Wish we had more time. Thanks for coming on. All right, Bernie. Have a good night. That's Larry Sorensen, 10-year major leaguer, 20 years in the broadcast booth, currently lives in North Carolina, part of the Wake Forest broadcast teams for the football and baseball teams. Coming up, why are you filming me? Gee, why do you think? You know, the road to self-awareness, it's an activist pursuit. I'll explain. But first, let's go to super-duper Steve DeSager with the latest. The Dodgers' Max Muncie has hit his second two-run homer of the night. L.A. is up 9-2 on the Mets, and Max Scherzer's on the mound in the bottom of the sixth inning. San Francisco already won today, 5-2 over Colorado. Looks like the Giants will stay four games up on the Dodgers in the NL West. Padres got Fernando Tatis Jr. back. He started in right field as the leadoff hitter, two home runs. He has 33. Yes, he's still an MVP candidate. Padres win 8-2 at Arizona. 
Tatis had four hits, four RBIs. The Padres did place pitcher Hugh Darvish on the injured list with his bad back. Oakland lost at Texas 7-4, and Houston lost 3-1 at the Angels. Toronto was an 8-3 winner at Seattle. Minnesota 5-4 over Tampa Bay. The Rays are first in the AL East, just three games over the Red Sox, who won three in a row now because they got to play Baltimore this weekend. 6-2 Red Sox the final. The Orioles have lost 11 games in a row. The Yankees were 5-3 winners at the White Sox. Lucas Giolito took the loss, lasted only four innings, 101 pitches. The Yankees are still two and a half games out of the wild card behind Boston and Oakland. St. Louis won at six straight. Cubs lost their 11th in a row. One NFL exhibition, Indianapolis on a late field goal, beat Carolina 21-18. Carolina kicker Joey Sly was four of five on field goals. Wide receiver Curtis Samuel, ex of Carolina, passed his physical with Washington and practiced on a limited basis today after a groin injury. Washington cut running back Lamar Miller. The Saints, according to ESPN, will cut veteran defensive back Prince Amukamara. Reportedly, the Clippers are making a trade tonight. Eric Bledsoe, who was a Clippers first three seasons in the league, is going back to L.A. in exchange for guards Patrick Beverly and Rajon Rondo going to Memphis, according to Woj of ESPN. A.J. Allmendinger took the NASCAR race on the Indy Road Course. Kevin Kistner won the golf event in a six-man playoff. Roger Federer will miss the U.S. Open. He'll have a third operation on his knee. He turned 40 this month. The U.S. Open Tennis Tournament starts Monday, August 30th in New York. Back to you. Thanks so much, Steve. All right, let's see if I got this straight. Deshaun Watson says he never wants to play for the Texans again, but he's in camp so he can avoid the fines. He doesn't want to practice, but he's working out and taking snaps. The NFL doesn't know what to do because, frankly, although they could suspend him based on conduct uh, detrimental to the league, based on their personal conduct policy, or put him on the commissioner's exempt list in which he would be not allowed to play, although he's already said he doesn't want to play, and in this instance he would be paid his full salary not to play. If you followed all that, you're a better man than I am. But from the outside looking in, it seems Roger Goodell and his cronies simply don't have enough true evidence to know what to do in either direction. And yes, there are investigations underway. They're seemingly getting more serious, criminal and civil. And Watson's accusers, though, they won't even be deposed for another month. And Deshaun Watson himself won't even face depositions until the February of 2022. So the soul proper continues this last week. Deshaun Watson spoke to the media, as he walked, if you want to call it that. As he walked toward the sideline, he said, why are you filming me? It's the same, I can't say the word, every day. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder why, Deshaun, they'd be filming you. This has become such a lightning rod. And what's lost in the translation is Deshaun Watson's a great player. And I think finally the reality of the situation is the Texans would like to trade Deshaun Watson, but for now, they haven't gotten any offers they're willing to accept. I think there are some teams interested in Watson, but depending on who you talk to, it's really unclear. I'm told the Eagles definitely are, but I'm told the Dolphins aren't anymore. At one time, the Broncos were, and I think they were considering, well, at this point, I think they're going to ride with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater for 2021, and they'll maybe can you know explore their options for 2022 and 2022 comes. Now, I understand the Carolina Panthers are quietly keeping an eye on Deshaun Watson as well. Yes, they traded for Sam Darnold and picked up his 2022 option, but the owner uh, is committed. The owner of the Panthers, David Tepper, he's committed to finding a long-term franchise quarterback, and Watson still has the tools in the toolbox to become that guy. 
And David Tepper is a guy who's spent his career buying low and selling high. He might be willing to take the risk, but I just can't see it happening now because the the 22 civil lawsuits, and I believe there are like 10 criminal complaints, and it's my understanding there is now a grand jury that's been impaneled in Houston to look at some of these allegations. And I debated whether I even utter the words that I heard last week, human trafficking, that has now entered the lexicon of describing what's going on with Deshaun Watson. I have no idea, so I'm not going to touch any of that. But people smarter than me have said that that has been investigated. I have, again, no source, no idea, no information having to do with anything along those lines. But as you can see, this has become sort of an alphabet soup of craziness. And people, I think, need closure. That's why they keep waiting for something to happen, the other shooter drop. I don't see how it happens. I, I He's not going to be traded. I'm not sure what the NFL is going to do. Uh, he didn't make the trip this week where, when Houston uh, went to, I believe they went to Green Bay, won their game, give it up to David Culley, first-year coach, winning his first exhibition game. Uh, so maybe the Texans will be all right. Yeah, no, they're not going to be all right. This is going to be ugly. And I think everybody's sort of held hostage for lack of a better, I would say, term. But this is a story that's going to continue to be reported on, even though there's nothing to report on, right? I'm guilty of doing it myself this tonight because Deshaun Watson is an important player in the NFL. He led the league in passing last year. He's still got his career ahead of him. Do I think Deshaun Watson's going to play in the National Football League again? Yes, I do. But this has to clear itself up, and I don't know where he's going to play. It's ugly. Even before any of these allegations happened, he wanted out of Houston. So it was already ugly before any of this happened. I will just say this. I try to be consistent on these things. Back in 2009 when I was in the, on the radio in Michigan, I, I defended Michael Vick. I said, he's going to come back and play. Michael Vick paid his debt to society. And when he came back, he was not only uh, a stellar, solid citizen, he was a multiple-time pro bowler. And I know at that time there were teeth gnashing in Philadelphia. They were going to blockade the stadium. And I'm not you know, giving him a hall pass for what he did, but he paid his debt to society. And Michael Vick came back and played multiple years in the National Football League. Is the same going to happen for Deshaun Watson? Yes, it is. But it's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be next Sunday. And I don't think it's going to be this season. So this is a story, non-story. We'll continue to watch because we can't get enough of it. You know you can't. Even I'm guilty of it. We want to know what's going to happen. And probably it wouldn't get anywhere near this type of publicity if, frankly, Deshaun Watson wasn't such a terrific player. And, oh, by the way, remember when he came out of Clemson with a national championship, really was a guy who was highly respected on and off the field. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Coming up, a lot of rookies made their debut this weekend in the preseason. I'm going to give you my thoughts on all of them, and I particularly want to talk about Justin Fields. Should he start week one right out of the gate? Or maybe wait and sit back for just a minute and learn his craft and not be in such a rush to get there. I'll give you my take. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
<sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio Studios will take you up to 8 p.m. Pacific tonight. 11 p.m. Eastern. I'm excited that the NFL is back, and yes, I enjoy watching preseason games, and I enjoy betting on preseason games. There's a lot of information if you understand quarterback rotations, which coaches are motivated to win, which don't care if they win, and situational things like Super Bowl champs laying six points who don't really care. They're 4-15 and 15 the following year after winning against the spread, after winning the Super Bowl and laying six or more points. If you could have seen Allegiant Stadium here last night in Las Vegas, it was absolutely electric. The uh, cheapest ticket was $268. And the atmosphere, forget preseason game, forget regular season game, it was almost like a playoff game, which... Leads me to believe that the Raiders are going to have a distinct home field advantage this year because the crowd is going to be absolutely bananas. But I want to talk about really what the lead story is as far as the NFL this season. And that's having to do with a lot of young star struck quarterbacks that all in their own right have a great opportunity to do some very good things in the National Football League. Uh, if past his prologue, unfortunately, it's not going to work out for all of them. But let's let's look at the positive and hope it it does work out for all of them. But you know what? Let me give you some perspective, okay? Let's take the Chicago Bears. Um, let's say you were a quarterback who, let's say Justin Fields does this. Has he's let's say he's one of only six quarterbacks in the next three years to have three straight winning seasons. He's 29 and 21 as a starter. He's 64% completion rate. And he throws 64 touchdown passes against 37 interceptions. That sounds like success to me, doesn't it? 
Well, that's exactly what Mitch Trubisky did, and they wrote him out of town. So everything has a context. Everything has a story behind it. Trubisky, they came to the key, you know, the conclusion he was never going to win him a Super Bowl, so he's gone. Now, Justin Fields enters the fray, and I like Justin Fields a lot. He's got great athleticism. He's a competitor. Um, and I love him at Ohio State. I think he's got terrific huddle presence. Uh, I, I was always a little dubious only in that. And at Ohio State, they don't ask their quarterbacks to do a lot with respect to the same type of responsibility that an NFL quarterback would have when he's under center. Quarterback's a position you play with your eyes. It's all about recognition. It's all about process. You've got to be able to process the information that's taking place before you. You make your pre-snap reads. You receive the ball. You take mental snapshots, and you execute, and you got to do it quick. So let's look at the guys who started over the weekend, uh, Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson, uh, Mac Jones, uh, Trevor uh, Lawrence. Um, these, are, these are all guys that I think their franchises have very high hopes. Trey Lance, who saw the field. All right, I'm going to start with Justin Fields. Now, it's not a race to get there the quickest in life. It's a quest to stay there the longest, all right? I think a lot of folks would like to see Justin Fields start week one. I don't think they should do that. It's not an indictment on Justin Fields. You've got Andy Dalton. and Stop picking on Andy Dalton, knuckleheads. Since 2011, Dalton just one of six quarterbacks in the NFL to accomplish the following. 30,000 passing yards, 200 passing touchdowns, and 70 wins. The other quarterbacks in history that have done that, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, oh, yeah, and some guy named Tom Brady. So Dalton's not chopped liver. He's also not their future. But he can start that game against the Rams, and Justin Fields can learn behind him a little bit at game speed. Remember, Justin Fields was going against the twos yesterday. I thought he looked good. His two best passes were when he rolled right, rolled right, rolled right, and threw across his body. That's not good. you got to fix that. But look, the wisdom, but Romo's in building day. He's going to learn, and I, I, I like him. I just don't think I'd start him week one. Again, it's not a race to get there the quickest. It's a quest to stay there the longest with lasting success. Now, the wisdom behind the field's pick is undeniable. The Bears have been without a true franchise quarterback for 70 years, although I would say that Jim McMahon was a franchise quarterback. Loved him, loved him at BYU, loved him with the Bears. He won a Super Bowl, but... Fields is Chicago's quarterback of the future. No controversy there. But the same held true for Trubisky when the Bears drafted him four years ago. And he had three straight winning seasons. One of only six quarterbacks to do that. Completed 64% of his passes. Had a record of 29-21, and 21, but they ran him out of town. The sticky part is when should Justin Fields take the field? And I don't think there should be a rush to do it. Now, Andy Dalton signed a one-year deal for $10 million. Dalton can still provide the Bears valuable service. And I would just say this. The, Matt Nagy, in a perfect world, might, would, might not be such a bad idea to follow the blueprint from Kansas City when you had uh, former league MVP and Super Bowl champ Patrick Mahomes. He sat almost the entire first season behind veteran Alex Smith. The belief is that Dalton can be Smith but he just got red hair. I think Dalton should be the starter, but, you know, Justin Fields is right behind him. Zach Wilson, believe it or not, I thought he did outstanding. This is a kid who is very efficient. He gets the ball out of his hands in rhythm, good placement, ran the offense well, 
This is a guy who's fearless in the pocket and knows how to make his pre-snap reads. He can locate the ball. He can he can work off schedule. Zach Wilson is better than people think. And I don't know how the Jets are going to do. I don't know if Joe Namath could win with that team. But be that as it may, with Robert Saleh and Zach Wilson, I thought Wilson did pretty well. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to start. There's no doubt about it. Seven of the last nine number one overall picks started. You're, you're not going to start Gardner Minshew. You, you've got to get his development going right away. There's no expectations for Jacksonville to win. He needs to get reps. You need 30 starts in the NFL to show what you can do. Uh, I would say Trey Lance will get on the field. I'm not sure how soon he'll start. Remember, Jimmy G was 24-8 and eight as a starter. He just can't stay healthy. But if you saw Trey Lance in the 80-yard touchdown pass, it was pretty electric, and it gave you a glimpse into the future and what the future could be. So I would say that Trey Lance is going to fit into their plan some year, somehow this year. I'm just not sure how. Mac Jones, I believe he'll be starting by week five. Mac Jones, he's not a rocking arm quarterback. He's not twitchy, but he's highly effective. He knows how to run an NFL offense. And I think Cam Newton will start, and as long as they're winning, he'll stay in. But I think Mac Jones will be on his tail. It's going to be fun to watch. Speaking of quarterbacks, I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay, don't make this a one-night stand. Do what you got to do to keep him next year and beyond. I'll explain how. Keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Sunday rolls on. Two down, one to go. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll take you up to 8 o'clock tonight. And we've got lots more to get to. You know, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers before the break. And, um, you know, back in the day, there was a famous baseball announcer by the name of Joe Garagiola. Now, Joe had had a fairly nondescript 10-year Major League Baseball career. And immediately after his retirement from baseball, he landed a plum job with CBS doing national games on radio and television for for major league baseball and he had a terrific personality and a lot of knowledge and that's why they hired him he wanted to be really good at, at the craft so he hired a speech coach and the speech coach got a hold of him and said joe you need to finish off your verbs you're saying things like pitching and hitting you got to finish those verbs off and joe said yeah but if i do that i might not be working Sometimes you got to stick to your guns in life. And if Aaron Rodgers sticks to his guns and the Packers do the right thing, he can perhaps finish his career in Green Bay and play at least two more years, maybe three more years. Some people think four more years. Why not? Look, from all accounts, Aaron Rodgers has looked spectacular. He looks effortless. He's extremely impressive in camp, dropping dimes all over the place with superb accuracy, and he's got a flair for style. It's clear he is that franchise's face and leader. So Green Bay, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, take care of this now. Don't be stupid. Does Green Bay really want this to be a one-night stand? Do they really want to wave goodbye to this guy next February? No, they don't. And I think the Packers brass needs to be very proactive with some definitive moves to get him to stay in Green Bay now. Now, here's some ideas I would put in the suggestion box. Do they still have the suggestion box? Well, if they don't, bring it back. 
And a good start would be talk to Aaron Rodgers, allow him the opportunity to be a resource when it comes to personnel. This is not a normal situation. You can't do this all around the league, but Rodgers has earned the right. But give him more control over whom he's going to be throwing to, not just now, but in the future. So it's simple. Resign Devontae Adams, resign Robert Tanya, and look at the other top Rodgers targets that he wants to resign and get them under contract now. The Packers, they brought back Randall Cobb in a trade with the Texans to give Rodgers a, a, a slot receiver that he wanted. Okay, I know they made fun of of uh, of of Cobb's age. Well, what he's like thirty? Are you serious? He's not maybe what he was, but he's still versatile enough to contribute. He's going to be a guy who can mentor and help bring along Amari Rogers, one of their top draft picks. So, this is a situation where that sounds like a start, but it's not enough. Aaron Rodgers admitted recently he was still upset about the team deciding to cut Jay Kumaro who he thought would be the number two receiver in camp behind Devontae Adams last year. So the Packers, including Cobb and Adams, they have a decent depth chart at the position with actually as many as nine guys that are capable of making the final roster. But Rodgers knows that may or may not be enough. Here's the bottom line. Rodgers has always operated best when he's got a variety of targets he trusts most. And no one can work a room when it comes to fourth quarter comebacks like Aaron Rodgers and spreading the ball around the field. Brian Gutekunst knows this. He needs to trust Rodgers more in figuring out how to keep this guy happy so he can maximize that golden arm and Green Bay can finish the job. They've been to the conference finals the last two years. It's a no-brainer. Sign Devontae Adams now. He's a penny-free agent. Get him a long-term lucrative deal. He's not going to take the hometown count. He's not going to take the hometown discount. Another guy who needs to be locked up now is Robert Tanyan, the tight end who had a breakout season last year. You've got to take care of these guys. Now they had a once they had a guy by the name of Jay Sternberger. Uh, who I think was an up-and-comer in camp, but I think he's facing a two-game suspension. But you've got other receivers. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he'll be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Alan Lazard, he'll be a restricted free agent. Equiminius St. Brown and Devin Funches, a couple of guys that are also going to be unrestricted free agents. And there's more behind that. Get these guys taken care of. All right, now I'm going to make a, a second statement, and it may come off as harsh. Work with me. The idea is to keep Rodgers in the fold for four more years so they can win another Super Bowl. Trade Jordan Love. Just get it done, okay? Brian Gutekunst, if you don't, if you're not willing to admit this just simply wasn't a good decision to select Jordan Love number 26 overall and move up to get him back in 2020, while Rodgers was still playing at a high level in the prime of his career, this set all the frustration. This lit the fuse. This is the one. This was the hand grenade that caused everything to go out of control. Rodgers may be an aging quarterback, but he's still elite. And his replacement was drafted without him even knowing about it. And as long as Jordan Love is looming on the roster, he's a threat, still a threat, at least on paper, to be the Packers' preferred path at quarterback starting next season. Now, Rodgers knows the Packers, they have to see what they have in Love in the third year of his rookie contract and the Packers are always very efficient in managing the salary cap, and they'd love to get a discount by this quarter, young quarterback if he can, you know, 
lead them to victories, which I he looked okay yesterday. It's fine, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to go to the conference finals. They're not going to win the division with Jordan Love. Now, I know the Packers, I'm guessing, they haven't had any thought about trading Love, but if they really want Rodgers back, this would be what I consider to be a monumental second step. It doesn't need to happen right this second. I get it. But remember, the, 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 the Patriots, they made a big deal with the 49ers at midseason uh, during a trade deadline a few years back when they moved Jimmy Garoppolo off of Tom Brady's shadow to appease him. And how'd that work out? Worked out pretty well. Brady's been to three Super Bowls, I think, since then and won two. So you've got till November 2nd uh, for, I believe, the trade deadline. And at that point, as the season goes on, you may see teams with real quarterback uncertainty. What if someone goes down? Uh, what if, you know, you get the picture. Someone else gets hurt. Uh, maybe the Steelers, they get to a point and they realize Big Ben, who's old, and they said he lost weight. I don't see it. I got 20-20 vision. He looks about the same old Ben to me. He is a Hall of Famer, but he's 39, and he's had more surgeries than Joan Rivers. What if he can't get it done anymore? Maybe you are able to get uh, Jordan Love and – might not have to give a lot back in return, and he would be a a cheap option with a potential high upside. He was drafted in the first round at one point, so you have to figure someone sees something in him. But you show love to Rodgers by showing love the door. See what I did there? And all of a sudden now, I think you have a whole different conversation. The third thing you've got to do is give Aaron Rodgers the exact type of of a contract extension that he wants. Now, Rodgers has said multiple times his concern isn't about the money, and I believe him. He's made $250 million in his career, 252 if you're scoring at home. And I think, you know, he's he's been pretty fair about the fact that I think he's very appreciative of his 17-year career in Green Bay, even though it hasn't been perfect. And he's never had an issue about how much he's been paid. But now if you're going to give him an extension, it's about how he's going to be paid. He wants a Patrick Mahomes-like deal with big guarantees and security through his best remaining years in Green Bay, which basically, if you look at what he did last year, I think he's earned it. And so if Green Bay is is willing to give him what he wants in this area and structure the contract in a way that's going to keep him there, what that does is not only keep the fire in Roger's belly burning, but it maybe even lights a new fire because from what I see, Roger still very much has all the physical tools to win in this league consistently and perform at a high level. And I think he's committed. You know, I I did this show with Catino Mobley several times. Catino said back in May, he was training where Aaron Rodgers was training, and he was very impressed with how Aaron Rodgers looked, and he made no bones about it. He's putting in the time. And so, you know, I, I get it. He's gallivanting around the countryside and taking vacations with actors and actresses and his fiance with his shirt off. But I think, you know, Rogers is sneaky smart. And I, I believe that he was getting himself ready all along and it's showing in camp. The Packers, you know, they're notorious for only signing team friendly deals. Get out of your comfort zone, Green Bay. If you learn nothing by this, it's that you don't have the right to be stubborn like Joe Garagiola was. Aaron Rodgers does. You have two choices. You can compete for a Super Bowl and keep Rodgers in the fold, or you can play your stupid game and wish you would have. The other thing, too, is it wouldn't hurt if Brian Gutekunst 
got together with Aaron Rodgers and maybe they had a little taster's choice moment and advanced their relationship beyond the professional level into maybe a little bit more of a personal level. They don't have that vibe. I don't know that they ever did. And Gouda Kuntz has been around a long time. When Ted Thompson, I think, left the team two or three years ago, Gouda Kuntz was promoted. And Rodgers has very much mentioned his frustration uh, when Gouda Kuntz didn't bring back Jordy Nelson. And one thing led to another. And, and the long and the short of it is that I don't think the relationship, I think it's adequate. It's, I wouldn't say it's tenuous, but it's not great. It could be better. So if Gouda Kuntz decides to sign all of Rodgers' key receivers, trades Jordan Love, and, you know, has to sit down with him and say, let's work this out. You know how long it takes to get to this point? Man, I covered the Detroit Lions for 10 years. One playoff win since 1957. Hope always spring to turn. When I saw Joey Harrington come through town, I'm not even going to give you the litany of one season after another of migraine headaches with that team. You had Matt Stafford, drafted number one overall. Matt Stafford had plenty of great moments in Detroit, but he did everything but win. And he was 10-65 and 65 against teams who finished above 500. So this isn't so easy. You are in the twilight of one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, a first ballot Hall of Famer that still has his physical tools. They are perhaps poised for a breakthrough for a Super Bowl. I think Matt LaFleur is a good coach. First two years, 26-6. and six. Bill Walsh didn't even do that. George Seifert, I think, came close to that, won a Super Bowl. Anybody who's ever been 26-6 and six or won more than 25 games their first two years with the coach-quarterback combination went on to win a Super Bowl. What's the moral of the story? Look, Aaron Rodgers is the type of guy that really holds Green Bay's future in the palm of his hand. Now, Green Bay, by their own Actions or inaction can determine that future as well. As I said all along in the past few months, Rodgers had the hammer, but he didn't have the leverage. He had the hammer because he didn't have to show up to work, but I always believed he would. Now Green Bay still got the leverage, but if they don't use the leverage properly in a way that allows him to sit down with Aaron Rodgers and construct something that would be to their long-term mutual benefit, trust me, they're going to regret this. There'll be regrets all around the room. Coming up, we're going to talk to the lead NFL writer for SB Nation, Jason Hershorn. We'll talk about that, among other things, as Fox Sports Radio and Fox Sports Sunday rolls on. Don't go away. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Stick and stay. You are listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet... 
there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. And I, for one, am grateful that NFL football is back, albeit the preseason. And I'm glad to see fans in the stands, and I'm glad to have an opportunity to observe all the new young talent that's coming into the league right now at the quarterback position. Who better to bring in than lead NFL writer for SB Nation, Jason Hershorn. Jason, love having you on. Thanks for making time tonight. Of course, Bernie. So, several rookies made their debut. I gave my own synopsis about 45 minutes ago. Who stuck out in your mind that looks like they're ready to start week one and who needs a little bit more seasoning? There's no point in rushing them. Ready to start is a place I'm not ready to go with any of these guys just because the sample size is so small. And we've seen, you know, preseason debuts look great and then turns out that player is not ready to play for even like a full year plus. So what I will say, obviously, Trey Lance had maybe the most spectacular play of the preseason, the first week of the preseason by anybody, not just a rookie. That play action shot down the field right in stride to his tight end for a touchdown, 80 yards. It's hard not to notice that. He looked very confident in the way that he played. I know the final numbers were somewhat mediocre, but you kind of have to look within that. Look at the way that that quarterback looks in the offense. And he looks like a guy who's you know, at least ready for more, if not ready to start right away. But he could get there. I think it's going to be a very real conversation as the preseason unfolds. Well, I'm glad you made the distinction, Jason, because what I said was meant to be semantical. Here's what I mean by that. Trevor Lawrence was drafted number one overall. Seven of the last nine number one overall quarterback picks started week one. So he's going to start, meaning he's ready to start in the colloquial sense, whether or not he's ready to have success. I feel the same way about Zach Wilson. Their options are limited there. Joe Namath's not walking through that door. Matter of fact, I liked what I saw with Zach Wilson a lot. He was efficient, got the ball out of his hand. He's fearless in the pocket. He made a lot of throws in rhythm. He's a guy I think that can work off schedule. And for the most part, he checks a lot of boxes. What were your thoughts about Zach Wilson? I echo a lot of what you just said, especially the part about him playing in rhythm. Now, most NFL offenses in the preseason are not going to call a lot of exotic stuff, and the Jets were no exception. Keep in mind, this was also the play-calling debut for Mike LaFleur with the, with the Jets. So they were going to keep things fairly simple, but that also meant keeping things you know, very narrow in terms of scope. And that's very good for a rookie quarterback, just to get comfortable, just get used to the NFL speed. And, you know, Zach Wilson didn't light the world on fire, but he also didn't make any crucial mistakes. And as we said with Trey Lance, he looked comfortable. Now, as they put more on his plate, that could change. He's a very young and inexperienced quarterback. Obviously, he's a rookie, but 
you want to see those early signs that at least up to that point that this stage is not too big for them and Zach Wilson at least passed that first test. Excellent. Uh, I want to ask you a question. By the way, we're talking with Jason Hershorn, lead NFL writer for SB Nation. Justin Fields, to me, seemed to dominate more the echo chamber than any of the other quarterbacks combined. I like Justin Fields. Of all the players, he might have the best huddle presence. I'm not a fan of quarterbacks coming out of Ohio State because I like to have 11 athletes on the field, and sometimes their default mechanism is to run. He rolls right, throws across his body. That's not good. But here's what I want to have you analyze about Justin Fields. I do not think it would be a smart idea to start him week one. I do not think he's ready. I think that instead of being in a rush to get there the quickest – it should be more of a quest to stay there the longest. He's behind Andy Dalton. And I want to see Justin Fields learn how to operate better from the pocket. The package is there. The arm strength, the athleticism, the will to win. I think he's a type of guy that could be a franchise quarterback. I think it's a mistake if he starts week one. Your thoughts? I don't know that it's a mistake because, especially in that first preseason game, again, we don't want to make too much out of a single game in the preseason, but he did start out slow. He did have those struggles. The offense didn't move the sticks for multiple drives when he was there. And then he kind of figured it out. And it wasn't just making plays with his legs, although he did do that. He was able to make very accurate throws on the run, which is something that any quarterback is going to have to do at some point. And he really started to get comfortable in that offense. Now, again, one game sample size and maybe the best argument for not playing fields in week one isn't so much about you know preserving him for the long term in terms of his readiness it might be more because week one the chicago bears come to los angeles to play the rams which means that he would be just a few feet away from aaron donald passing against Jalen ramsey and what has been one of the better defense in the nfl the past few years so that might be a compelling argument, but ultimately I don't know how much Fields is going to be able to develop if he's not on the field. And for that reason, I don't think the Bears should wait very long. As long as he looks confident enough to run the offense, it makes sense for them to put it in there because it's not just that he could give them the best chance to win now. Matt Nagy, the head coach, and Ryan Pace, the general manager, are not guaranteed anything after this season. So if they're able to show proof of concept with Fields in 2021 – even if the team's record isn't great, that might be enough to bring them back. So I don't think it makes sense for them to wait on fields again if he shows he's ready to run the offense, regardless of what it means relative to Andy Dalton. Let me add some texture to the statement I just made, because and I don't want to throw cold water on Justin Fields. I like him a lot, but he was on the field against twos. Uh, he, the defense that was in front of him were the twos, and actually the offense that he prosecuted were the twos. I think if the Bears are serious about that, they got to get him on the field with the ones and see how he does against ones. They don't have to make the decision today, nor am I implying just because they don't start him week one doesn't mean they don't consider maybe starting him week two or week four or week five. Clearly, he's their future. There's a reason they drafted him. I'm just concerned that if they rush him too quickly, that it'll be a problem. Be that as it may, Do you agree they've got to let the rest of this preseason play out to see if he can? Yeah, and that's not the only factor when it comes to fields. I mean, you talk about him playing with the twos, and that's largely true. Allen Robinson, their top receiver, didn't play, and a couple other starters didn't play. But that offensive line is missing a lot of starters, and not like missing in terms of them just being DNPs because the coaches don't want to expose them in the preseason. Like Kevin Jenkins, the Bears' second-round pick this year, has not practiced since training camp started. They anticipated him being, or at least competing seriously for, the left tackle position. 
And that's why they signed Jason Peters earlier this week. So they need to know what that offensive line looks like and not just for Justin Fields. It's going to factor into everything that they do on offense. But they need to figure out whether that line is going to be stable for anybody, not just Justin Fields. I think that's a big concern that needs to factor in this conversation as well. Now, Mac Jones played Thursday night. I am a big Mac Jones fan. And I have defended him. He's not as twitchy. He's not as highlight reel oriented. I think when the history books are written seven, eight years from now, he might very well lead the pack in terms of his NFL career. I think Cam should also start week one, but it's just a matter of time before Mac gets on the field, Mac Jones in New England. Give me your assessment and takeaway on Mac Jones. Well, the whole Patriots offense was interesting to me in the first week of preseason. And Mac Jones certainly looked good. He looked confident. He had a lot. He was not afraid to throw the ball down the field, which, you know, he wasn't at Alabama either. But in the NFL, sometimes you see rookie quarterbacks play a little more conservatively, at least at first. And that was not the case with him. What I thought was interesting is that the Patriots, specifically offensive coordinator and play caller Josh McDaniels, didn't call anything really down the field for Cam Newton during his time on the field and then really opened it up for Mac Jones. Now, Mac Jones is playing a different caliber of defense at that point. That's got to be a factor to discuss here. But it did seem interesting that Cam Newton, who struggled mostly for injury reasons, moving the ball down the field. I should say also for supporting cast reasons, it was not a great set of receivers the Patriots had in 2020. But they continue to sort of, you know, keep the trading wheels on with him. I don't want to make too much of that again after one game, but it's something to watch for the rest of the preseason. And it's also important to watch to see if Mac Jones is still getting those play calls if he does play against defensive ones. Because against, you know, top-tier NFL defenses, I don't know that they can be as aggressive with a rookie, but we'll have to see because again as you said Mac Jones is you know the presumed future of that franchise and if he shows confidence and ability against number one defenses during the preseason it might accelerate when he does get on the field for the New England Patriots Jason one final thing uh where does this Deshaun Watson saga end up obviously this charade continues he's in camp so he's not fine but they don't want to play him he's qb4 he doesn't want to be there roger goodell has stood mute do you have any earthly idea where this thing ends up just circa 2021 you know we had this exact discussion several weeks ago on your show yes and the situation is fundamentally unchanged and it's for all the things you just said he's only in camp so that he does not get fined under the NFL CBA. And the Houston Texans, by and large, might be some individual parties within that organization that still think something can be established there. But the organization as a whole knows that Deshaun Watson is not going to play for them again. And so everyone's still in that holding pattern. Now, because Watson's civil cases do not appear likely to be resolved in 2021, they, they could reach a settlement, obviously, that could change things. But right now, it does not appear to be on the horizon. It could be the case that Deshaun Watson doesn't play for anyone in 2021 Mm -hmm. and that he gets moved at some point after that right now i don't think anyone can feel confident about deshaun watson playing for anybody this season it's a matter of his legal situation playing out and all the other parties sort of acting accordingly to whatever that information becomes jason great stuff as always really appreciate having you we'll catch up to you down the road all right take care bernie that is jason hershorn lead nfl writer for sb nation And uh, 
He's been on the show frequently, does his homework, and very enjoyable to uh, listen to as well. Coming up, someone not so enjoyable to listen to, the guy who talks about Johnny F. around. And by the way, do you know any billionaires that like to salt their McGriddles? I do, kind of, sort of. We'll get to that in a minute. But first... Let's go to the man, Steve DeSager, with the updates. Quite the intro. I thought you were going to talk about me there at the start. There. That was a, <laughs> kind of a relief where you were going with that. Well, the Sunday night ball game weekend update has the Dodgers ahead of the Mets 12-4 in the bottom of the eighth with two outs. Max Scherzer was the starting pitcher, went the first six innings for L.A. As for the heroes at the plate, Max Muncy with two homers and four RBIs. Will Smith, Dodger catcher, with three runs batted in. San Francisco beat Colorado 5-2 today. The Giants Four games up on the Dodgers in the NL West at the end of tonight, apparently. San Diego, an 8-2 winner at Arizona. The loss to Zach Gallen, who's 1-7. Fernando Tatis Jr. returned to the lineup and had two homers. He has 33, the MVP candidate for the pods. Texas beat Oakland 7-4, and the Angels downed Houston 3-1. Oakland A's are still two and a half games behind first place Houston in the AL West. Toronto and Milwaukee with wins. Atlanta is first place in the NL East and now a game ahead of the Phillies. The Mets were two back. Atlanta won its game 6-5 at Washington, while the Phillies lost at home. Aaron Nola was on the mound but took the L. Cincinnati 7 for the final. Cincinnati Reds could be in the playoffs this year. They're still two and a half games out of the last NL wildcard spot behind San Diego. If the season ended right now, the Dodgers and Padres would play a one-game wildcard matchup. And one of those two good teams would be out of the playoffs on the first night. Wow. Minnesota beat Tampa Bay 5-4 to four on a sack fly in the bottom of the night. The Rays are the first-place team in the AL East, just three games over the Red Sox, who won their third straight, beating Baltimore 6-2. J.D. Martinez, a three-run homer in the first. The Yankees were 5-3 winners at the White Sox. A.J. Allmendinger took the NASCAR race. Kevin Kisner won the golf event in a six-man playoff. Roger Federer will miss the U.S. Open. He'll have a third operation on his knee. An NFL exhibition went to the Colts on a late field goal, 21-18 over Carolina. The Clippers are acquiring guard Eric Bledsoe from Memphis, reportedly. And among the many summer league games in Vegas tonight, Orlando with a victory over Houston as Cole Anthony at 15 points. Franz Wagner with 13. Back to you. Steve, thanks so much. By the way, are you watching Hard Knocks? I am not watching Hard Knocks. Fair enough, my friend. Uh, I'm not against it. I like the fact that the NFL has it every year. And as with any reality show, as long as it's not grandstanding and performing, the behind-the-scenes stuff is good. I don't watch it every year, though. Fair enough. Well, you're a renaissance man. You've got better pursuits. I would say this. <laughs> uh, there's a reason I asked, and there's a certain style which, with which Jerry Jones salted his McGriddle, which I'm going to get to that in just a second. But, you know, I watched the first episode of Hard Knocks last week. Uh, every year I say, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. Then I end up watching it. I'm really concerned that this version of it might be the most boring of all time. Really? Thir- Yes, uh, look, it just lacks juice. Uh, it was really adorable how Ezekiel Elliott had trouble gift wrapping a president for Dak. I like Dak Prescott. He, he, they kind of given you a bit of a peek behind the curtain. It, you know now why he's such a nice guy, why he's such a likable guy, why he's so popular with his teammates. I'm not all about Mike McCarthy. I've never been about Mike McCarthy with all due respect. And yes, he did win a Super Bowl. Seems like an affable chap. I just don't get it with him. He gave the goofy speech about, we don't need Charlie F around around here. Go find that somewhere else. We don't need Harry High School. When he says Harry High School, 
it just conjures up memories when I covered the Lions back in 01 and 02 and Marty Morningweg was there. He used to talk about Harry High School making Harry High School mistakes. Just kind of bad memories. Look, success in life is a process-oriented endeavor. You just don't get up in the room and blow hard and say, this is about winning here, you you MFers. What's wrong with you stupid idiots? We don't need Charlie F around here. There's the door. We don't need Harry High School. We're going to win, win, win. I'm like, Dude, will you – you know, if if he was up for the lead in the Fred Flintstone movie as Barney Rubble, I'm all about it. He just doesn't look like an NFL major league coach to me. So the question I have, let's bring in the crew. Is Hard Knocks still relevant? Is it still necessary? Yeah, I'm going to watch it, but I'm a slappy. Don't copy my life. By the way, one of the rules, Bertie, if you've made the playoffs the last two seasons, you don't have to go on Hard Knocks. Well, Obviously, that, the Cowboys don't qualify. I, I, I think what, if you what, make what, the what, Super Bowl, you have to be on Well, one of the rules, you know what, guys? One of the rules is you can't be on if you're a first-year head coach. You tell me I would, I'd much rather see Urban Meyer, every ex-NFL player that comes on this network, just lights Urban Meyer up like a Christmas tree, like he's the dumbest guy going. They can't wait to see him fail. I would love to see a first-year coach. But anyway, so, Steve, you're not watching it. Fair enough. And by the way, the first-year coach rule is so because he's got bigger fish to fry. But also, if you've appeared in the show in the past decade, then that's a no for you. You can get out of it. So the the Cowboys are kind of doing their time. You say bring in the crew. One of the crew is a Cowboys fan. This is the perfect person Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Let's go to you, Bobo. I got no problem with that. I'm not a Cowboys hater. I just hate this. I mean, a fan, not a hater. (laughs) Listen, it's all to the good. I actually remember when the Cowboys were not only good, they were damn good. And I'm not one of the – look, when it comes down to sports in general, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. If someone hates the Cowboys, that's the same emotion invested to love. So they probably beat your team, and you probably got a grudge. All right, enough about me, Bobo. Give me your thoughts on hard knocks. I'm honestly with DeSager. I didn't watch this season, and it's crazy. As a Cowboys fan, everybody expects me to watch it. Hard Knocks has never grabbed me, and I didn't know if I was allowed to say it, but I'm. I just yes, you are. Better. This is America, Bobo. You go. You live how you want to live. I just have better things to do in my time to watch behind the scenes of my team. I want to see my team on the field. Like I don't care about the other stuff. Like I just don't. Like I don't even watch the Lakers. Uh, all access thing that they have on Spectrum. I don't watch that. I I don't care. I want to see them play. I want to see how they play against other people. And that's it. What he refers to is the Lakers channel and the Dodgers channel in L.A. each have weekly half-hour documentaries of behind the scenes. Yeah. By the way, that's the Dodgers the play now. They're up by so much. It's We've got a third baseman pitching for the Mets. It's, got, it's gotten that bad. And now they're going to travel to San Francisco and Dodger Stadium over the next week. So there we go. Maybe just as many people giants? are watching this as are watching the hard dogs. I, I told you they'd be 35 games over 500, Steve. Remember that? <laughs> no, no. I don't no, remember it either. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, maybe Arnie did, but I sure didn't. All right, good. Bobo, I appreciate your candor. See, I just kind of told on myself. You got Bobo, you got the Sager, both men's of destiny, both men of destiny. Meanwhile, I'm just a slappy looking forward to Tuesday night by a show of middly hate. Uh, save the day, uh, Lee Delap. Save the day. You got the floor. Well, I'm with you, Bernie. I mean, it shows why NFL is always going to be king. It, it gets my money every year, just like Madden the game gets gets my money even though i play it once um i will buy, i will buy the madden i will sit there and i'll watch hard knocks and i'll get high expectations for whatever team is on there all of a sudden i think the cowboys are are destined for the playoffs micah parsons is going to be the next big thing in, on defense yet i i hate it i hate it just as much as you guys do it's not i, don't I, I, I could do without it. it if it wasn't there but if you put it on i'm watching it 
I don't I don't think that I hate it. I'm just not stopping what I'm doing to watch it. Like it's not one of those things that I'm like, wait a minute, Hard Knocks is coming on. Gotta mm-hmm. watch it. Like I was actually excited about the Malice to the Palace thing. Like I literally set aside this morning to watch it. Like I was like, I'm gonna watch it before I go into work, just because. And then Lee texted me and was like, Hey, did you watch it? I was like, Yeah, funny you ask. Like, but the, the, Hard Knocks, I just wasn't. You, yeah. you know what they had going for it this year is that they're actually following the star, the starting quarterback, Dak Prescott. We hardly ever see that in a year. And like I said earlier, I think what would make Hard Knocks so much better is if like it was. If you either won the Super Bowl, you had to do it, or if you lost the Super Bowl, you had to do it. Like they should punish the good teams to make them do hard knocks, not the opposite. I'm with you, and I would just say this: uh, to say you brought up a good point, we kind of buried the lead. They don't have rookie coaches because they got bigger fish to fry. Which seems they all got bigger fish to fry. Can you imagine Chuck Noll? Hey, Chuck, you want to be on oh, hard man. knocks? No. Get that noise the hell out of here before I throw you out on your butt. All right, enough about this. I've just outed myself. I'm a slappy. News is, I've never watched one minute of The Bachelor. I hope that doesn't get me in trouble. (laughs) Coming up, a famous quarterback had a big birthday last week, and you would not believe what he's accomplished since that historic birthday. I will explain. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This has been a very fun evening. And uh, in a few minutes, you'll be joined by Chris Plank at the top of the hour. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. That would be the executive producer, Lee Delap, Of course, Bobo doing a great job on all the ones and twos. 
and of course uh, Steve DeSager on the updates. So as I mentioned, uh, a week ago on August 3rd, a famous quarterback who people love or love to hate by the name of Tom Brady, he celebrated on August 3rd, a week ago last Tuesday, his 44th birthday. And guess what? Tom Brady is older than 13 current NFL head coaches. Now, I have kind of a long history uh, of being sort of around Brady. I remember when he's at the University of Michigan, he enrolled. Uh, he didn't have a lot of offers come out of high school in Northern California, but he ends up playing for Michigan and Lloyd Carr, and a lot of people have the misnomer. Well, he didn't do much there. You, you don't know because you weren't there. He was 20-5 and five as a starter. He beat Alabama. He had an epic game on the road to beat Penn State late in the fourth quarter. Ask LeVar Arrington about it. I'm sure it's a sore subject. If you ask him, duck. Uh, and I don't blame LeVar for being mad. Uh, it was a hell of a game. He beat Ohio State. Uh, he beat Alabama in the bowl game, his final bowl game. And then he was drafted, uh, almost not drafted, almost didn't make the club. But obviously, uh, the rest is history. And he's done pretty well for himself. And, and even when he was at Michigan, he was behind a prize recruit by the name of Drew Henson, who'd gone to Brighton High School nearby. Lloyd Carr wanted him. Drew Henson was the heir apparent. He was going to be the guy who followed up on that national championship team where Brian Greasy started, the undefeated team. But guess what? Drew Henson wanted to go play baseball for the New York Yankees. And Lloyd Carr told him, Drew, you can't climb two mountains at the same time. And Brady, who had already been killing the number ones in defense on the scout team, earned his way into the starting lineup, started 25 games, and he was 20-5 and at the University of Michigan. So the notion that he didn't do much there, he was quiet there, just simply isn't true. You can think that, but you weren't there to see it. So that's not what happened. And, And what's interesting is Brady once walked into Lloyd Carr's office, head coach at the time, very brazen, and said, Coach, I should be starting. What's wrong with you? And Coach said, Tom, I'm going to give you some advice for now and some advice for life. Worry about yourself. Brady, uh, Brady's done pretty well. So he turned 44 last Tuesday. And again, he's older than 13 current NFL coaches. Well, let me tell you, they say youth's wasted on the young. Don't tell that to Tom Brady. Since turning 40, Tom Brady has won more playoff games than five NFL franchises have in the history of of their individual team franchises. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. And I'm talking about since the Super Bowl era, friends of the Lions. They've won one playoff game since 1957. Tom Brady, since, since turning 40, since turning 40, has won more playoff games, total of five, or check that, he's won more playoff games than five NFL franchises have cumulatively in the total of their individual teams. Now, seven years ago, Bill Belichick, he pulled a Brian Gutekunst. He drafted Tom Brady's replacement, or at least he tried to, a guy by the name of Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G. Jimmy G's done pretty well for himself. 24-8 and eight as a starter in San Francisco. However, since that happened seven years ago, Tom Brady has been to four Super Bowls and won three of them. Meanwhile, Jimmy G, his replacement was drafted in April. How about that? Now, here's one to mark on your calendar. When the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play the Jets, New York Jets, Sunday, January 2nd, Brady's opponent and his quarterback counterpart will be Zach Wilson. Now, let's fingers crossed. Let's, let's hope they're both starting. They're both healthy, and they are facing off against each other on January 2nd. That would be Zach Wilson of the New York Jets and Tom Brady of the uh, 
boy, I almost said Patriots, Tampa Bay Bucks. Well, Zach Wilson was also born on August 3rd. He had a birthday last week as well, but he was born August 3rd, 1999, which means he's 22 years old, not 44. He's half Brady's age to the day. On, so that means on one side of the ball, again, mark your calendars, January 2nd, New York Jets, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So on one side of the ball, you're going to have a guy who's exactly half the age of his adversary on the other side of the ball, exactly half his age to the day. Now that is going to be fun to watch. I may or may not watch Hard Knocks. I won't watch The Bachelor. I will watch that. See, I want to see if Zach Wilson can keep up with his youthful counterpart. Further adding to the legend of Tom Brady. Since turning 40, Tom Brady has started over 75 NFL games in his career since turning 40. Now, to give that some perspective, the only other quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League to start even a single game north of the age of 40 were Warren Moon, Vinny Testaverde, Steve DeBerg, and Drew Brees. Those are the only other quarterbacks outside of Tom Brady to start even a single game in the National Football League after the age of 40. Now, I believe Drew Brees has started, mm, probably, probably started 20 games or so after the age of 40. But no Super Bowls, didn't even get to the Super Bowl. I just told you, Tom Brady, how many Super Bowls he's been doing once since the age of 40. The other quarterbacks, all solid guys. Steve DeBerg spent many years with Kansas City. Warren Moon, Hall of Famer. Vinny Testaverde, he is a solid legacy from college and in the NFL. Cumulatively, those three guys, after the age of 40, started a total of five games. So maybe cumulatively for all of them, including Drew Brees, maybe a total of 25 games. Tom Brady has started 75 games after the age of 40. So there you have it. He's older than 13 NFL coaches. He's won more playoff games since turning 40 than five NFL franchises in the history of their, you know, franchise. Department of Redundancy Department. Bill Belichick drafted Brady's replacement seven years ago. Jimmy G, that was the replacement. Since then, Brady's been to four Super Bowls and won three. Jimmy G's replacement was drafted in April. Mark your calendar, January 2nd. Tom Brady and Zach Wilson. Zach's half his age. We'll see if he can keep up. And finally, you just heard me. He started 70 five games since the age of 40 and he's not done yet so there's your five fun tom brady facts as he turned 44 last tuesday oh by the way happy birthday tom hope everything's going well for you have some cake and some avocado ice cream while you're at it i want to thank my guest tonight so much up next keep it locked the biggest name to come out of oklahoma since garth brooks and mickey mantle it's chris plank keep it locked right here in fox sports Three. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.